Falava, this is Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. Coming up, Tonga's Prime Minister's leadership comes under fire. Also, the livelihoods of our people are solely dependent on the marine life. Disappointed as how Tuvalu feels about Japan's release of its nuclear wastewater, and later... From the beginning, I already confident that this is the time. No proper outcomes or media conference to end off the MSG meeting. What was that about? Ten MPs in Tonga have filed a motion for a vote of no confidence against their Prime Minister, Siausi Sovaleni Huakavemi Liku. The motion was filed on Tuesday by 10 MPs. According to local reports, eight people's representatives and two noble representatives had submitted the motion. Final Funua spoke to RNZ Pacific correspondents in Tonga, Galafi Moala. What are the rules in Tonga for a vote of no confidence to occur? And could you describe the context of this situation because... Prime Minister Huakawa Meiliko only came into power about a year and a half ago. So how did it get to this point where he now has 10 MPs and possibly more wanting him out of office? The, the rules for this is that when a new government comes into power, they are given 18 months to be in power before anyone can file a petition of no confidence. And so that 18 months was over in June. And so now uh, it's open for them to file the vote of no confidence. So the other part of the rules for this is that you have to have a minimum of 10 members of parliament to file for the vote of no confidence. And so uh, definitely they got the 10 members. They filed uh, this yesterday. And uh, uh, the, uh, the story uh, that's coming out is that there are two nobles that are part of it. The unusual thing about it is that the nobles are normally conservative, which means they are pro-establishment and they normally stand together on any issues that come up in parliament. So the fact that two nobles have split from the other, uh, from the nine nobles, uh, representatives is, is quite a significant thing and uh, it does not look good for the prime minister and for this government. The other part of the rules also is that uh, once you file this petition, uh, it has to be tabled in parliament within 14 days, uh, meaning that they have to have a vote, a vote of no confidence within the 14 days. They need 14 altogether to be able to win uh, the vote of no confidence. There, there are a number of issues, of course, why they're filing this petition. A number of people have criticized the government for their the issues concerning the budget, the annual budget, that this budget has become the biggest deficit budget in the history of Tonga. The other thing is there hasn't been much accountability and transparency concerning the budget. Uh, the number of, of issues uh, like the government-owned airlines, like the Luluta Airlines, it's, they're having financial difficulties. A uh, number of public enterprises like the Tonga Power Limited also is having their own uh, problems. So there, there, there are a number of things that includes 
misadministration that this government uh, is being blamed for and alleged to have uh, done so. So these these members of parliament got together and they said, well, it's time that we file this vote of no confidence and see how it goes. And there was an auditor's report I heard recently. Yes. And, and it yes. was quite damning. Yes, that's right. The auditor's report... Uh, even though, I mean, one thing, it was late uh, in its submission. It should have come at the time with the um, uh, with the budget um, debate, but it was late. And, and even when it came late, it was uh, quite uh, quite critical of the way finances have been handled handle at a number of the departments. Uh, of government. So that that also is another issue added on to the other complaints. How much danger is the Prime Minister in of getting removed? Because you've had a number of MPs now who've been forced out because of, uh, for legal reasons, for the bribes, and then now you yes. have this. So it seems a little chaotic. That's yeah, that's correct, yeah. I, I would say that the very first failure that this government uh, um, had, uh, which uh, brought a lot of criticism, was the fact that three of its ministers were um, uh, found guilty by a civil court uh, for bribery. When that happened, the prime minister came in and basically supported their appeal that they need to go into appeal, and of course, the appeal for these three failed, and they lost their seats in parliament, lost their seats in, in the cabinet as a result. That that was, to me, the very first issue with this government that really brought a lot of criticism. Uh, and, and, and then, uh, worst of all, was that these uh, people who were put out uh, they were moved to occupy other uh, high positions within government. Uh, for example, the, uh, the the CEO of Lulutai Airlines was one of the guys that was uh, uh, removed. A governor of our reserve bank was appointed to be governor after this whole bribery case. So uh, there's, a, there's a number of issues that happened during this government which... Um, I would say, um, really supported uh, the petition for a vote of no confidence. So, uh, of course, it's a numbers game, and uh, we are yet to, to see that happen. The, the Prime Minister obviously has got his own supporters within Parliament, and he will be working very uh, hard to make sure that the vote of no confidence is, is not won. Uh, but he, he is he's in danger, definitely. There's concern and dismay in Tuvalu of Japan releasing over 1 million tons of treated nuclear wastewater into the Pacific Ocean. The plan was approved by Japan's nuclear authority and then assessed by the International Atomic Energy Agency to ensure it complied with international standards. Tuvalu Minister of Finance and Economic Development, Senator Bainiu, told Lydia Lewis that nuclear experts appointed by the Pacific Islands Forum have not conclusively found the release to be safe. He surprised Japan went ahead with his plan, knowing this. I was really concerned, dismayed, disappointed 
and kind of surprised that Japan, of all countries in the globe, who have had uh, first-hand experience with uh, nuclear radioactive material in the context of the, the Second World War and the events in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, that they are now dumping nuclear waste uh, material into the Pacific Ocean. So uh, all of us in the Pacific and in Tuvalu in particular are very concerned. The oceans surrounding us is our only major natural resource and our, for many of us, our only source of survival in terms of uh, the marine life and uh, the fisheries resources that are made available through the surrounding oceans. And, and that is why it's something that we in the Pacific are, are very concerned about. And Duncan Curry, a lawyer who specialises in international law, says that there is a strong case to take Japan to court under the international law of the sea. Is that something Tuvalu would be interested in? So Tuvalu would support any action to try to persuade Japan from uh, continuing to to dump nuclear wastewater into the Pacific Ocean. We understand that, that this process for Japan will take up to 30 years in, in continually you know, dumping those toxic material into the Pacific Ocean. So Tuvalu would support any action that would persuade and influence Japan and Japan government uh, to try and, and, and stop that. I asked the government of New Zealand if they would support financing taking Japan to court. Their response to me was no, they would not. Is that disappointing? It is. And, and we, are, we see New Zealand and Australia, for that matter, as our Pacific members of our Pacific family. And therefore, uh, we would rely and, and expect them to support us to push through our uh, issues of concern. And then this now has become a, uh, a priority issue for the Pacific. So we would certainly uh, would want to engage in dialogue with our bigger brothers, Australia and New Zealand, for that matter. Um, and, and see how we can uh, get them to uh, support us in, in this endeavour. Fiji's Prime Minister has been very vocal about his support around this release. He says that it is a controlled release in line with the IAEA's comprehensive report. But I hear you calling this a dump. What is your response to his comments? Well, a head of government is entitled to his own opinion. He even mentioned the opening of our uh, gathering this week here in Suva, that uh, even within his cabinet, there was division on this issue. And he was mentioning about, you know, the scientific evidence has influenced his opinion. So, well, everyone is entitled to their own opinion. The Pacific Islands Forum uh, had made a statement and a common position on this, which is to not to support Japan's uh, initiative to uh, to dump the wastewater, nuclear wastewater, into the Pacific Ocean. The Pacific Islands Forum appointed an engaged and independent panel of experts to look at the the science behind it and the data, and that panel review concluded that the scientific uh, evidence was not sufficient uh, 
to enable Japan to conclude that uh, it was safe. And therefore, that was the basis for the Pacific Islands Forum leaders uh, making a common uh, and taking a common regional position to not support Japan and, and to engage in dialogue with Japan. Uh, scientists across the world that have made assessments that is inconsistent with the conclusion that the, the government of Japan has based uh, its uh, decision on. And as a nation that is so reliant on the ocean, the Blue Pacific, is that good enough? No, uh, and that's what the disappointing uh, and the concern is for us in Tuvalu. So Tuvalu collects roughly about close to 45% of its total income. Not only that, uh, the livelihoods of our people are solely dependent uh, on the marine life, um, on the fisheries resources surrounding our waters. Um, So that's why uh, Tuvalu is uh, really concerned about us, because that is the... the survival, uh, the the lifeline, and the uh, for our people and our community uh, for generations to come. The leaders of Fiji, the FLNKS of New Caledonia, Papua New Guinea, Solomon Islands, and Vanuatu, awarded an update on the status of the United Liberation Movement of West Papua's application for full membership in Port Vila. However, the 22nd Melanesian Spearhead Group Leader Summit was held as the most memorable and successful by Vanuatu's Prime Minister. The leader signed off on two new declarations in the efforts to make the subregion more influential. But the meeting had an anticlimactic ending after they failed to release the details about the final outcomes or speak to media. Fino Fonoa reports. The first agreement that was endorsed at the summit was the Udane Declaration on Climate Change. It addresses the climate crisis and calls on countries to not discharge any potentially harmful treated nuclear contaminated water into the Pacific Ocean. Vanuatu Prime Minister Alatoi Ismail Kasakao says the leaders are closely monitoring the process. Unless the treated water is un uncontrovertibly proven by independent scientists to be safe to do and seriously consider other options. The leaders also signed off on the Ifate Declaration on Mutual Respect, Cooperation and Amity. Kaosakao says this agreement will advance security initiatives and the needs of Melanesian countries. Aimed at advancing the implementation of MSD's security initiatives to address national security needs in the MSG region through the Pacific Way and bounded by shared values and adherence to the Melanesian Uwale cultures and traditions. The issue of the United Liberation Movement of West Papua's membership was a big ticket on the agenda. However, there was no update provided on the agenda, and leaders avoided fronting up to the media, except when it came to photo opportunities. United Liberation Movement of West Papua leader Benny Wenda told RNZ Pacific late on Thursday, 
He was still not aware of the result of their membership application, but that he was confident about it. From the beginning, I already confident that this is the time for the Melanesian leader to to give us, you know, full membership so that we can engage with the Indonesia. According to the MSG Secretariat, the final communique is now expected to be released on Friday. However. It's likely that the West Papua issue will be referred to the Pacific Islands Forum, hinted by Papua New Guinea Prime Minister James Morape. On the issues that was raised in regards to uh, West Papua, we, uh, these matters are to be handled at PIF, and United Nations uh, conversations were raised. Uh, we all, all took combined uh, resolution. Kausakao says he looks forward to progressing the implementation of important issue recommendations from the summit, which also includes supporting a visit for the United Nations Human Rights Commissioner to West Papua. Meanwhile, Indonesia's Vice Minister for Foreign Affairs, Pahala Mansuri, says Indonesia is proud to be a part of the Melanesian family. Indonesia is an associate member of the summit and have said they do not accept the application for West Papua to become a full member. West Papua being an Indonesian province, they say it goes against the Melanesian Spearhead Group's founding principles and charter. During the meeting this week, Indonesian delegates walked out on occasions when West Papuan delegates made their intervention. Some West Papua independence campaigners say these actions showed that Indonesia does not understand the Melanesian way. However, Mansuri says Indonesia hopes to continue to increase its future collaboration with Melanesian countries. We are actually brothers and sisters of Melanesia, and we hope we can continue to become and strengthen our family bond. Australian and Chinese delegates attended as special guests at the invitation of the Vanuatu government. That's Pacific Waves for today. Don't forget you can listen back on rnzi.com/programs. We're also on Apple, Spotify, and iHeartRadio podcasts. From myself and the team here at RNZ Pacific, so far, sweet four.